it's really important for us to have a sense of what are some of the main things that God calls us to, what are the main things God has created us for, and how do we live our lives accordingly. To this, Jesus responds, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, the first part of this response wouldn't have been a surprise to those religious leaders. This command was part of the Shema, Jewish prayer that they likely would have prayed daily. And perhaps for us, this isn't that big of a surprise either. But the wording is significant, particularly when it comes to the second part of the command to love our neighbors. Jesus proclaims to his listeners that they are to love the Lord, their God. Their God. This is Elohim, God, their creator. And this is El Shaddai, their God Almighty. And this is El Roy, their God who sees them. And the, he is Jehovah Jireh, the God who will he, uh, provide. And Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals them. And as we celebrated last month, he is Emmanuel, the God who is with them and is with us. This is their God. This is a God who is for them and a God who has chosen them to be his chosen people. A people who are light on a hill and salt of the earth. And because of the glorious death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, this is our God too. And we are his chosen people. And as we experience God as God Almighty and a God who sees us and a God who is faithful to provide, a God who is with us, not just centuries ago, but now today, as we experience that love and grace of God, it is from that place that we can love the Lord our God. And it is also from that place that we are able to begin to love our neighbors. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. When I think of neighbors, I think of um, the neighborhood where I grew up on 42nd Street in Spokane. And our next door neighbor was an elderly woman named Eva. And what I remember most about her was that she could talk and talk and talk. Um, when my sister and I were in elementary school, my sister had to do a report on the Great Depression, and you were supposed to interview someone that had lived through it. So my mom sent her over to see and we had to go over and rescue my sister like two and a half hours later because Eva was giving her like a day-by-day -day play of all the events that happened through the Great Depression. Um, I also think of these neighbors um, who moved to Seattle from Tonga. And Bill and I lived next to them in South Seattle right after we got married. And these neighbors had decided to take their whole backyard and build this huge, like, um, deck shelter structure, and in the summer, they would invite their extended family and their friends over to sing karaoke, and they would sing cheesy um, love songs from the 80s in English, but with a strong Tongan accent, and um, we were never invited to a karaoke party. Truly, we would have loved to go, but we would like sit on our back part and listen to them sing um, all the summer nights, every night. Uh, Jesus singles out two laws and elevates them to be the greatest, and one is 
it got me wondering what is it about loving your neighbor that's so significant that it would be elevated in this way in Jesus' teaching. And so as I continued to think about this and read different things, I began to see that perhaps it's because loving your neighbor is not just good for the neighbor, it's not even just good for me or you, but it actually it has really positive effects on the whole neighborhood and even the city as a whole. Let me explain. A while back, I read this book called The Art of Neighboring, and it is written by a couple of pastors who live in Denver, Colorado. And together with a few of their pastor friends, they decided to ask for a meeting with the mayor of Denver. They wanted to ask that mayor what the mayor thought were the biggest problems facing the city of Denver and how their churches could be a part of meeting those needs. Well, <clears throat> the mayor responded that more than any new welfare programs or the creation of new nonprofits, that what he wished was that there was a way to make Denver a place of great neighborhoods. He said the single biggest single factor by far that helps a city flourish is when it has a sufficient number of really good neighbors. The biggest difference maker for a city is actually good neighborhoods. And so when people do something like caring for their neighbors, all sorts of things start to happen. Elderly residents are cared for, at-risk youth become less at-risk, crime plummets, volunteering increases, and people start taking good care of their homes when they know their neighbors, which increases home value and actually positively affects the um, economy of their city. And all this begins to occur because people decided to start loving their neighbors. And this got me wondering, like what if when Jesus tells the religious leaders and us to love their neighbors, what if he really meant that we should love our neighbors. I know super profound, right? Um, but like our literal neighbors, like the people who actually like live on our streets and next door. And that actually brings me to a confession. I have not been good at loving my neighbors. Um, even though I've read this command many, many times, I never thought that it was meant to be taken perhaps literally. And I kind of thought it just meant, like, it would be a good idea to, you know, love people. And that's not necessarily not true. In the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus has the similar conversation with the religious leaders, one of them asks a follow-up question and says, well, who then is my neighbor? Like, who am I really required to love? And so Jesus responds to that question with the um, perhaps well-known parable of the Great Samaritan. And in that, um, Jesus significantly widens the understanding of neighbor to include people who were outside of your own people group or outside of where you lived. And this widening was important in Jesus' time because the default of definition of neighbor was someone that was more likely to be like within your own tribe or who lived near you. And the kingdom Jesus was trying to usher in was a kingdom where people had love and compassion, not just for the people within their own communities or their own families or people groups, but for people outside of those people groups as well. 
Jesus was paving the way for Gentiles, people like us, to be included in the people of God, the family of God. But I wonder if we perhaps kind of swung too far in that direction of thinking about who our neighbor really is. The problem is when we get going, living kind of our daily lives with all of the demands that we all face, if we've decided that our neighbor could be really anyone, then all of a sudden we're just in a place where we think, well, I guess I'll try to be helpful if I see someone who needs help. And we um, don't end up specifically or intentionally loving like specific people. Well, this seemed to be true in Denver. As a group of pastors I referenced a minute ago continued to ask different city officials what they thought the city of Denver needed and how their churches could be a part of it, again, the topic of being a good neighbor came up. And a different Denver city official remarked, from the city's perspective, there's not a noticeable difference in how Christians and non-Christians relate to their actual neighbors. Hmm. So over here, we have Jesus saying, hey, one of the main things is loving your neighbor. And over here, we have someone saying, we don't see a difference in how Christians or non-Christians engage their neighbors. And that became really convicting to me. Now, of course, these conversations in Denver are anecdotal. We haven't had a meeting with the mayor of Seattle, though maybe that would be a good idea. Um, but my sense is that our city could benefit, too, from additional um, energy toward being good neighbors. But before I go any further, maybe it would be helpful for us to think about, talk about what Jesus may have meant by love when he said that we needed to should love our neighbors. Love, in this context, is to will the good of your neighbor as God wills good or as God defines good. Let me say that one more time. Love in the context of loving your neighbors is meant in their good as God wills good and as God defines good. It's not necessarily about conjuring up warm and fuzzy feelings, but to will and act in such a way that brings good to your neighbor. Well, I'm a super practical thinker, those of you who know me know this. And so as I continue to think about this and ask God what this meant, I had to come up with some like very practical things to do. And so I thought I would share these here. If this hasn't been a practice that you or your family have been kind of in the habit of doing, maybe some of these steps would be like good first steps to take in this direction. So the book that I was referencing, The Art of Neighboring, recommended as a first step, perhaps getting to know the names of the people who live near you. It seems that if you or I are going to be like willing the good of people, it would be a good idea to maybe start by knowing their name. And so the authors of this book challenged people who are reading to draw a map of their neighborhood. Now yours may not look like as nicely organized as this is. But the challenge was to make, to draw a picture of your house and to put in, or apartment unit or condo, and to put in the eight um, other homes or apartments that were near you. 
And as you get to know the people in those places, you can write down their names. And I have to tell you, when I first read this book, we were living in Shoreline, and um, I knew only one of the eight people who lived near us. They lived above us. And actually, I tended to avoid them at all costs. <laughs> and so this is like how far I was from um, making some positive steps in this direction. But shortly after that, Bill and I moved to Bothell, and we decided um, maybe a way to get to know the names of the people around us might be to bake cookies and deliver them. Because, you know, who doesn't like chocolate chip cookies? <laughs> and so we made a bunch of cookies, and it, even though it seemed like a good idea initially, when it came time to actually like go out and bring these cookies to other people, I had to like conjure up every ounce of like extroverted friendliness and muster. <laughs> I just was not interested in actually going out to do this. We had these cookies, and so we went out. We didn't know how we were supposed to do this, so we we decided, I guess, we'll just go all the us as a family. So we like bundle up our kids, we knock on doors, and actually someone answered and invited us in. We thought this is awesome. Maybe we'll like know their name and something else about them. But unfortunately, it went downhill pretty quickly. Um, as I was like taking off my shoes and Jude's shoes in the foyer, who was a couple years younger then, he like took off and all of a sudden was like looking for their cat by opening these doors that had been closed to other parts of their house. So I was mortified. <laughs> and then in the next moment, he saw a candle that was on a low light lit on a coffee table, was like running off to play with it. And then um, two minutes later, he was in the kitchen playing with the cat water, trying to spill it on the floor. And that was like the third time I had told him, hey, you gotta stop, which triggered like a full-blown toddler tantrum all on their kitchen floor. <laughs> Hi, so nice to meet you. We're strong strikes. So we like, you know, I'm like giving Bill these, Bill's trying to like talk to them. And I think they're trying to wonder like, do we acknowledge this crazy toddler? <laughs> just keep talking like nothing's happening. So I'm getting in these eyes like, we gotta get out of here. Um, but actually, it like, ended up taking away for good conversations. <laughs> because, you know, after you have that kind of experience with someone, you can't go back to just like nodding below. <laughs> um, the second thing, maybe we can advance the slide, is to spend some more time in your front yard. Um, my brother-in-law decided he was going to try to be better at getting to know his neighbors, and so he decided to ease into like planting things. Everything I plant dies, but he built these like planters, and then invited the, this family across the street to plant some pumpkin seeds alongside some other vegetables. And so the girls across the street for an elementary school would come over and check on their pumpkins, and when it was time to harvest the pumpkins, they all carved them together. It was like to know their neighbors and the gardening in the front yard gave them an excuse to be out there and say hi to people who are walking by. A third idea is to pray for your neighbors. Go on maybe a prayer walk of your apartment or condo or dorm or home um, neighborhood. Kind of pray for the people who live in the houses as you're walking by, asking that God's peace and blessing and reconciliation would be on them. Just Last week, I heard a story of a mail carrier who kind of felt led to pray for her um, people as she delivered their mail. And that kind of led to a conversation with this elderly couple who was, for the most part, kind of homebound, and this mail 
parents who walked out of their house, like this was a few weeks later, and it was like 10 degrees outside, but they were waiting for their mom to come home, and so the mail carrier connected them to this elderly couple because she knew that home would be a safe and warm spot for them. And so just by beginning to pray for the people whose houses she was walking by, she got to create kind of community and meet needs both for the elderly couple and their kids. A fourth idea is to um, be intentional about being more observant. And when I was growing up, I told you I grew up in Spokane, and we lived in this house that was built in the 1940s and had three big windows that faced the front. And so it was really easy for us to see kids getting on the school bus and people walking their dog and people coming home from work and to kind of know what was going on with our neighbors. Now, we live in a house that was built in 2001 and there are actually no windows facing the front on the main floor. And so it can be really hard to even have an idea of what's going on around you. But I wonder what it would look like for us to be intentional about seeing what's going on. Is there um, a yard that really needs mowing? Or is there a single parent household that could use some help? Or is there an elderly um, man or woman who you can bring their trash cans down? Um, what are some ways that uh, we could be part of meeting practical needs in our own neighborhood? Years ago, my parents separated and actually decided not to talk about it to anyone for quite a while. But our neighbors noticed that my dad's car stopped coming home. And so they reached out and asked my mom if there were ways that they could be supportive to her. And so they were in a unique place to observe and meet tangible needs during kind of an important time. Well, as I said, Bill and I tried to take small steps in doing these first four things. And um, they're small things, certainly. But there have been some really beautiful um, moments that have come out of them. We've gotten to know a family next door who has a son that's around the same age as our kids and a daughter now, I guess. I just had a daughter. But anyway, um, it's been really fun to connect with them. I'm mostly a stay-at-home mom. It's actually pretty lonely for me sometimes. And so it's been a huge gift for me to have someone just next door that I can say, hey, what are you doing right now? <laughs> Do you want to walk or go walking together? Or this last week was kind of a long week for me. And um, on Friday, I was having uh, some frustrating interactions with our son Jude. We were able to invite their son over and ask him over the fence. And um, they like entertain each other two hours, which is a huge gift for me and a huge gift for them, just to have some more space. And so I never imagined that this like mantle of our neighbors would actually feel like way more of a gift to me than, any, than anything else. Um, we have a woman who lives across from us, and when we first tried to reach out to her, she was like, gave off this impression of kind of like an extreme Seattle freeze response. Like, oh man. But we tried to continue to say hello, and um, months went by. One afternoon, she showed up at our door to ask a question, and since then, we've had these conversations in our driveway that have lasted 20 or 30 minutes that ended up being about very challenging experiences that their family's going through. And it's almost as if she was just waiting for 
for someone to say hello, to, to invite her into a space like that. Another family just moved into our neighborhoods. We brought them cookies, and a few months later, around this last Thanksgiving, because we include our phone numbers with the cookies, we got a text from them saying, hey, we're leaving town for a week. We don't know anyone here except you guys. We just thought someone should know that we're going to be gone and keep an eye on our house. And super small, but we felt really honored to be in that place. And all these things together have made living in that, like, Church like 
to make invitations. And so, as I said, Bill and I have been trying to take these small steps kind of in the first four ways, but we have continued to feel um, like God is calling us to go further, and yet I think we're feeling like we can really use some encouragement and accountability in that. And so um, we asked Dave if we could plead an eight-week kind of small group that really takes this topic and, and um, gives us a chance to look at scripture to figure out what does God really say about this, and that gives us an opportunity to continue to grow in love and community for one another, but also um, gives us a chance to try to do some of these things alongside other people who are also doing these things. And so um, we've chosen an eight-week study, and um, we I just wanted to take this opportunity, since I'm up here, to invite all of you to consider being part of that. Um, and if you want more information, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, every time I read this command now, I grow in my appreciation that Jesus put these two things together. Love the Lord your God because this is your God. He is for you and he loves you. But God not only loves you, God loves your neighbor. And together, I believe great things will happen in the lives of all people across the greater Seattle area as we take small and large steps to love our neighbors. I hope it begins by learning their names and praying for their good. But ultimately, I hope it continues and extends into opportunities to um, get to know and be in relationship with people in meaningful ways. If we begin to love the eight people around us and those people of the eight people around them and those people of the eight people around them, and if the trend continues, truly, the entire city can be transformed for the glory of God and the advancement of Jesus' kingdom. And that is something I can't wait to be a part of. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And thank you for your response to these people who are asking, these religious leaders who are asking questions, even though they weren't sincere. We thank you for um, the things that are already in motion in and around us that we don't even know are going on. And we pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts and minds to be a part of things that you're already doing. I pray that you would um, help us to see our neighbors in a new way. You would give us kind of the boldness and confidence we need to be our neighbors. And God, we pray that you, through this, would be transforming us individually and as a church and our communities for your glory. And we pray all these things in 